if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to the same verses we studied last week, uh, Matthew 6, verse 25, and we'll pick up there in a moment. Uh, if you were with us last week, we studied these verses and unpacked Jesus' teachings on worry and anxiety. Uh, as disciples of Jesus, we are uh, freed up from anxiety and worry because we really only need a few things in this life. And if we seek first the kingdom of God, uh, he promises to give us those things along the way. Uh, as a result, we don't need to rely on anxiety or fear or stress to uh, guide us uh, or motivate us because Jesus says it adds nothing to our lives. Instead, we operate in trust. We don't worry about food. And as we'll talk about this morning, our relationship to clothes is transformed as well. We pick up in Matthew 6, verse 25. It says, Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these thing, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, we come to you now and actually ask for what we believe is already in line with your heart. We believe that even through the course of this series, you're wanting to change the way we relate to material stuff. And I pray that you would continue that work this morning, that we would be all the more freed up, Lord, uh, to, to see you, to know you, to chase after you, uh, to see justice come to the world around us. Uh, would you transform the way we relate to material things? Would you bring us into that place where your son lived, where he uh, truly enjoyed life and enjoyed uh, the food and clothing and the material things that, he, that you provided for him? Uh, but he, he, he didn't slip into some of the unhealthy patterns that we find ourselves in today. Lord, we want to be more like Jesus. We want to be free in the ways that he was free. Would you come uh, and bring freedom in this place in the power of your spirit and in Jesus' name? Amen. If you roll back the clock uh, to the 1960s, Americans spent roughly 10% of our income annually on clothing. 
we purchased an average of 25 pieces of clothing for, per year, and 95% of all of our clothing was made in America. America had already, at that point, industrialized and become a, a more materialistic, consumeristic culture. Uh, but to buy a piece of clothing, even in the 1960s, was for the most part still a thoughtful investment. Uh, it wasn't cheap, but it was made to last. Fast forward 30 years into the 90s, and only 50% of our clothes were made in America. Uh, fast forward another 30 years to today, and Americans only spend 4% of our income on clothing, which represents a massive decrease since the 60s. We buy an average of 70 items of clothing per year. That's average, so if you're thinking, oh, I only buy 30, that means somebody else is buying 120 or whatever it is. An average of 70 items of clothing per year, and a meager 2% of our clothes are made in the United States. What changed over the course of those decades? Well, first off, fast fashion became a thing. And companies now spend millions of dollars subtly convincing you and I that our clothes are out of style and that you need to buy new clothes to stay in style. Uh, they play off the twin desires of I want and I fear. They have trained us to want new things before the old have been entirely consumed. At one point, not long ago, the fashion industry operated with four seasons, just like the earth. Uh, but they realized that the more fashion seasons we create, the more people will consume. And so over the course of time, we've gone from four fashion seasons to something like 54 fashion seasons. So basically, every single week, by design is a new fashion season. And if you bought your clothes last week, well then watch out because they might be out of style. The industry has learned how to uh, stoke our desire, to stoke our fear, to inflame our lust for more. And hence we need 70 items on average rather than 10 or 20. And yet, despite all of that, we still have, quote, nothing to wear in our overstuffed closets, and the average American woman wears a new item of clothing a meager seven times before throwing it away. So on the consumer desire end of clothing, our appetites have been manipulated in a major way. Uh, we now come face to face with our own unending desire for more, a driving dissatisfaction that compels us to buy compulsively and regularly. Call it gluttony, call it greed, call it addiction, call it whatever you want to call it, but something has gone horribly wrong in the way that we relate to clothes. We really do, in the words of Jesus, worry about our clothes. Uh, we really aren't sure if the body is more than clothes or if our clothes 
define us. Uh, We really don't want to trust God to clothe us or to clothe us uh, with the right clothes. Instead, many of us have been trained to, quote, uh, run around like the pagans after these things. And Jesus tells us uh, not to worry, asking, what shall we wear? But that is exactly what the fashion industry has trained us to worry about. So that's the shift on the consumer side. To make matters worse, during those same decades, things have shifted massively on the producer side as well. And in a short period of time, we went from 95% of our clothes being produced in America, uh, which was typically fewer items but higher quality, to a world in which just 2% of our clothing is now made in America and the rest is manufactured overseas. Uh, China, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and a dozen others. In total, a stunning one in six human beings alive on the planet today, this is counting everyone from from newborns to the elderly, one in six human beings alive today work in the garment industry. That's 1.5 billion people on our planet that work to produce our clothes, to get things from the cotton field to the clothes that we have on our backs. Out of those 1.5 billion people, less than 2% of them make a living wage. Let that sink in for a moment. That's a significant portion of humanity right now some forced by economic need, others literally forced into situations against their will, working in slave-like conditions for $2 a day so that we can buy cheap t-shirts. Why are our clothes so cheap? Why has the cost of clothing decreased by something like 500% over the last 60 years. How could that be possible? Well, well, the answer is that the systems we created are essentially built on the black of slave labor. This is the ugly side of globalization, the side that no one wants to talk about. Monday was the start of Black History Month. And as we celebrate the contributions that African Americans have made to this country, we also lament a 400-year struggle for justice and equality. We recognize that there are still wounds that need to be healed in our country. And as I was reflecting on that, I couldn't help but, but think about what were they doing? Why, why were they enslaved? They were enslaved to pick cotton for clothing so that everyone else in the world could buy cheap t-shirts. That's what drove that system. And guess what? There are more slaves today than at any other point in all of human history. Right now, today. 
many of them picking cotton in Uzbekistan or dyeing cotton in India or, or sewing the cotton into our clothes in Bangladesh so that we can buy cheap t-shirts. Our worries over clothing touch millions of lives. And sadly, many of the clothes we're wearing in this room today involved inputs from slave labor, myself included. And we haven't even touched on the environment. The garment industry is one of the most polluting industries in the world, uh, second only to the oil industry. Uh, emissions from cheap factories, trying to make as many clothes as possible as cheap as possible, account for five times the global air pollution of all global air travel. All global air travel combined, it's five times that amount. So the impact on carbon emissions alone is huge. Uh, one of the worst emissions uh, in sources in the garment industry is factories making clothes from polyester. Polyester is an oil-based uh, clothing product, uh, and it's uh, now found in a shocking 50% of the clothes that you and I wear. Polyester is made from oil, oil products, and it never biodegrades. It can break down into smaller pieces. It, it does not change back into soil the way that most things would. Every single item of polyester clothing ever produced is still around right now today. Uh, in a landfill, in a river, in the ocean, wherever they end up. Uh, in fact, every time we wash our clothes in the washing machine, Polyester fibers are released from the clothes and go into our water sources. Uh, I think the total polyester now being, being pumped into the oceans just from washing our clothes is the equivalent of something like 50 billion plastic bottles worth of, of junk being dumped into the ocean. If you were to drive over the mountain range and go to Pike Place Market in Seattle and buy a wild fresh caught fish, one in four of those fish now has traceable amounts of polyester inside the fish from our clothes. Uh, as a separate issue, 90% of all dyeing factories, that's the people who color our clothes and make them a certain color, 90% of all factories in the world dump their waste straight into local water supplies. Uh, that's not here in Washington or in California or wherever, our water is great, uh, this is in India and Bangladesh and China and all the places that are dying are closed. So the sad reality is that millions of people, 1.5 billion people, are, are, are on the wrong end of this crazy cycle that we're in. Uh, and many of them are forced in one degree or another uh, to work in factories for pennies a day, for $2 a day, and then they go home to family members who are slowly being poisoned by the very factories that they were forced to work in. Brothers and sisters, our clothes have become a justice issue. And if we could see the brutal chain stretching back behind the clothes that we hold up in the store, Many of us, myself included, would be horrified. 
We typically care about two things when we shop for clothes. Does it make me look good? And is it cheap? In fact, if something is incredibly cheap, we say, wow, this is a steal. And it is. But we aren't stealing from uh, the clothing CEOs. They're not the ones taking the hit. They are some of the wealthiest people on planet Earth. Who we're stealing from are single mothers in Bangladesh. Who we're stealing from are, are 1.5 billion people who make almost nothing so that we can get a cheaper price. But notice what drives this insane system. What, what's, what's the engine behind it? Well, it, it's our own lust for more. We want more. And because we always want more at cheaper prices, uh, we actually drive the very system that we are appalled by. We want more, and the more we want, the cheaper it has to be. If I only need three t-shirts a year, I can afford to buy those t-shirts um, made from organic cotton from a company that pays their workers really well, that's lifting people up out of poverty, that recycles their waste instead of dumping it into the water supply where it's poisoning local people. I, I can afford to do that if I only need three t-shirts a year. But if I need 30 t-shirts a year or 40 t-shirts a year for the same price, well, then we get the world that we live in today. Which is great for us at the top, but is basically hell on earth for everyone else. And hence, the need for us to look inward on this issue of clothing. The problem, Jesus rightly points out, is in the human heart. The problem is in our own hearts. And as we pursue biblical minimalism, we're, we're forced to ask the tough questions. God, why do I always want more? Why do I worry about my clothes? And the answer to these questions is not always pleasant. For some of us, it's, it's a nagging feeling of inadequacy. I'm just not good enough on my own. And, and so I need clothing, or I constantly need new clothing to make me feel complete, to make me feel like more, to cover up my weaknesses. For some of us, it's a fear of rejection, that, that if I don't have the newest thing or the right thing or the stuff from the fashion season that started this week, uh, then, then I won't be accepted by the people around me. And, and for some of us, our fear of rejection, our, our longing for acceptance is so acute that we are compelled to endlessly shop always trying to stay up to date with this week's fashion before it changes again on Monday. For many of us, it's a matter of ego or self-esteem, uh, wanting to feel important or respected or desired by others. For some of us, we're just driven to please. 
other people or to advance socially or to climb a corporate ladder. Some of us are just hurting and in pain. And, and so we run to the next clothing purchase as a coping mechanism to manage our pain, to uh, distract ourselves from the things that we don't want to face, to drive back those feelings of emptiness or discomfort or boredom that constantly plague us. Uh, we, we have a negative self-image. We have that desire to feel loved and accepted, and, and then the clothing industry comes along and dangles a carrot in front of us. Hey, if you buy this new thing, you will be more attractive. You will be more accepted. You will be a better version of yourself. But beneath all of these fears is, is really the deeper issue that, that we aren't loved, that we don't feel loved, that we don't feel valued, that we don't feel secure. And hence, we run around to find those things in material stuff, just like the pagans do, in the clothes that we wear. So, what's the solution? What do we do about all of this? Where do we go from here? How do we end the crazy cycle that is our clothing sickness and obsession and worry over clothes. Uh, first, if you're taking notes, uh, we learn to trust uh, in the love and provision of our heavenly Father. Uh, Jesus says it right here in the Sermon on the Mount. That's actually the basis for change. Uh, we shed worry and anxiety. We relate differently to clothing because of the character of our heavenly Father. You, you have a revelation of the Father's love for you and everything else begins to change. It, it starts there and it ends there. No longer do we run around worrying about clothes like the pagans do. No longer is our survival up to us. No longer are we enslaved by the opinions of others or trying to impress them constantly. No, in the love of the Father, we exist, we live for an audience of one. What other people think of us slowly becomes irrelevant. We are freed from the weight of other people's opinions. We are freed from the constant uh, fashion pressure and changing fads. Jesus says, it's too heavy a weight to bear. You want to live a life of a heavy burden. I want you to live a life with a light burden. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come follow me. Only in Jesus do we find the love, the grace, the belonging, the security that we need to break free from the fear of others, the fear of rejection, the fear of not fitting in, the fear of changing fads. We are free from all of those things in the love of our Heavenly Father. I find it fascinating that after the fall of humanity in the opening chapters of Scripture, uh, God comes to Adam and Eve and he makes them clothes. Interesting. God was the first garment worker. But it's symbolic of his care, of his provision. If that's how God clothes the flowers of the field, 
and those rebellious sinners named Adam and Eve, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? A redeemed son or daughter, adopted into the family of God, full of the righteousness of Jesus himself. He cares way more about you than he does the birds of the air or the flowers of the field. Trust in his provision when it comes to your clothing. Let him speak a better word about your identity. Let him free you from the opinions of others and heal the wounds that drive us toward compulsive excess. Number two, if you're taking notes, define enough. The fashion industry is screaming at you uh, right now, every day, that you are not enough, that what you have is not enough, and therefore, you must worry about your clothes. Run around after them like the pagans do. Uh, by their definition and design, you will never have enough. So you have to define that for yourself. You cannot allow commercials or social media or the fashion industry to define that for you. They've designed it that way. So we start in the big picture by getting before the Lord and asking the deeper heart issues. Lord, why do I always want more? Why am I so worried about my clothes? We let him get at the deep stuff. If that doesn't change, if we don't get at the why, nothing else is going to change. It's all going to be superficial. So we put our hearts before him first. That's the key to let him do the deeper heart work. But as he's doing that, as we're on a journey with him, uh, and he's speaking to our hearts and we're receiving his love and acceptance and increasing freedom, then we get before him again a second time in our awareness of the love and promise and provision of the Father. And we say, Lord, how much is enough? What do I actually need? And notice that the answers to, to both of these questions are going to be highly specific to you. As I have journeyed uh, into biblical minimalism and asked these questions of the Lord, he's revealed my lack of trust. He, he's revealed my fear over provision. He, he's revealed the fact that I totally trust him to rise, raise me from the dead, but I don't necessarily trust him for tomorrow. And, and that I was stockpiling clothes and possessions just in case. Just in case God wasn't God. Just in case he didn't come through on his promises. What if God isn't God for me tomorrow? I'll have to do it for myself. That, that's just me. That's what he was revealing in my heart. Uh, but as God was breaking that stronghold in my life, I began journeying with Jesus and shedding excess stuff uh, based on his character and his promises and who he is. And I eventually began to ask the second question. Lord, we're journeying together. I'm learning more and more about you and who you are to me. What, what is enough? Uh, eventually, through the fog, that begins to emerge. How much is enough for me? What do I actually need in this season? And it was helpful for me to actually begin, over time, putting pen to paper, just getting before the Lord and saying, what do I, what do I sense the Lord leading me in? What is enough today? And I was able to say, hey, in this season of my life, 
five t-shirts and five jackets and five shorts and two pairs of jeans and, and map out those categories. Okay, that's not everything, but that, that's enough. That's enough for me so that in my current experience of everyday clothes, I, that, that's enough. I, I, don't, I don't need any more. And so what I've done in that is sort of set a series of soft limits for myself and just say, okay, I've gotten before the Lord. I've journeyed with him in this. In this season of my life, this is all I need. And, and the incredible thing is just the freedom that that brings to carry those, to, to not be swayed by every commercial, uh, to, to not be tugged back and forth by every t-shirt that's on sale. Right now, in this season of my life, I know that I have enough. I'm good. I'm full. I don't need anything else. Being stuck in consumerism is exhausting. Breaking out of those cycles of consumerism is exhausting, even as we follow Jesus to a better place. But I've found that getting before the Lord and defining what is enough for me in this season actually just brings this sense of release and freedom and clarity. Uh, And that's going to be different for each person as you journey, as you ask those questions, uh, and it's going to change over time. Uh, But try getting before the Lord this week and asking him, Lord, in this season, in light of of your character and your provision, what is enough? Uh, Where does it end, Lord? What is enough for me? What, What is the level of possessions that's going to bring joy and freedom and simplicity in my life with you. Uh, And and as each one of you define that, some of you are going to have uh, sort of, your definition of enough is gonna be more than mine. Uh, Some of yours are gonna be less than mine. And and that's okay. And and over time, those things are going to change. Uh, But just try as an exercise, getting before the Lord and saying, Lord, what about me? What, what, is in that, what are you leading me into? Where, where is joy and freedom and simplicity going to be found for me? What is enough? Don't look at your closet. No, just like set all that aside. Get before the Lord and let him define that for you. So uh, first, we learn to trust in our Heavenly Father and accept his love and identity. Second, we uh, allow him to define enough for us and experience the freedom that comes with defining those for that season of life. And number three, as we close, uh, is that we consider the justice of God in our clothes. Uh, God cares about your clothes. Uh, He cares about your relationship to clothes. He cares about the people who made your clothes. And today, more than ever, our clothes are a justice issue. Uh, Consider God's heart, cover to cover in scripture for the poor, for the vulnerable, for the marginalized, for the enslaved. Consider the call of the kingdom, Jesus announcing what he came to do, to to set the captive free, to lift up, to bind up the brokenhearted. You can post whatever you want on Instagram, but until you vote with real dollars, the world is not going to change. You want a world free from slavery? Buy the right clothes. You want a world 
that's cleaner and healthier for generations to come, a, a, a world where, where kids aren't poisoned by the very water they're pulling up from the well in rural India, buy the right clothes. And notice that clothes have always been connected to justice in the scriptures. Throughout scripture, God calls us to clothe those who are naked. And in today's world, where 150 billion items of clothing are produced each year, most of it is produced for the wealthy Western world, while millions, if not billions of others, struggle to clothe themselves along the way, even as they make our clothes. I think of John the Baptist telling the crowds, hey, those who have two shirts or two coats should give one away to someone who has none. This is how we prepare our hearts for the Messiah, John says. Notice again the tie between clothes and justice. But honestly, the best place to start isn't taking our cheaply made polyester clothes and attempting to ship them overseas to the world's poor. There's a place for those types of projects, but they also have to be done carefully because sometimes they cause more harm than good. I think the easiest starting point for us, and in fact the most powerful thing that you and I can do in today's world is to buy less clothes and, and buy the right clothes. All we have to do in our world is buy the right clothes and millions of people start to get lifted up out of crushing poverty. All we have to do on our end is start buying the right clothes and, and their food and air get cleaner our planet becomes a more just, equitable place because we've stopped running around like the pagans do, trying to buy as many clothes as we can, as often as we can, at the cheapest price that we can, and for all the wrong reasons. Jesus frees us from all of that. He, he brings us into a place of simplicity and trust and abundance. And in the process we stop worrying about our clothes. We, we come back into right relationship with clothing. And as we do that, we begin to flourish. The poor and vulnerable among our planet begin to flourish. People will literally be released from slavery. And, and, and the world will become a cleaner, healthier place. God's creation itself begins to flourish as we come back into right relationship with our clothes. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, we um, hear the call that, that you issued the invitation you issued to your first disciples on that hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee thousands of years ago. Uh, and, and we find ourselves shoulder to shoulder with those first disciples, hearing the same call to change our relationship with material stuff, to release our, our worry about clothing and food, 
And, and yet we realize that uh, all, all that's happened in the thousands of years since is that we've come into a place where it's actually even more important than, than it was in the first century. That, that, the, that the choices we make that we can't see, Lord, affect millions of lives, over a billion people around the world. So Lord, we invite you into this place and I think the best place for us to start this morning is, is with the center, is with the deep uh, heart questions. Lord, what, why do I always want more? What, what's driving that? Why am I so worried about my clothes? What's beyond that? And we just invite you into this place, Lord, as our Heavenly Father, to, to free us from that, to, to heal our deeper wounds, to speak a better word, to come in your love and your grace. Some of us have been so content to operate in the fear of others and what they think of us. But you begin to break that this morning. Lord, some of us have been so content to operate on the lesser economy, to take things into our own power and control, to try and do it all ourselves, make our own provision. I just see you inviting us over and over again to trade earthly things and earthly worries and a heavy burden and a heavy yoke for, for heavenly things, for the good things that you long to give us. Lord, did you come this morning and speak to us about who we are in you? As we, as we see you, as we find ourselves in Christ, everything begins to change. There's no sense in us running around scrambling to change the outside if the inside doesn't change. So would you come now, Holy Spirit? Scriptures say where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. By definition, the more of the Spirit, the more freedom there is. So God, we, we throw open the doors of our hearts. We open up the windows. In the simplest way we know how, we say, Holy Spirit, come. Come in your gentleness, in your meekness, and in your power to do what only you can do. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus' name.